Hello and welcome to Everyday People, Dr. Abhinav Singh. Thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? I'm doing quite well, Baba. How about you? Wonderful. Thank you so much for asking. I'll start off with my standard first question that I ask every guest. Who are you? What do you do? And what is your current side project? So my name is Abhinav Singh. I'm a sleep physician. I <clears throat> help people who have sleep problems. I'm a practicing physician in the United States in a city called Indianapolis. Mm -hmm. And I'm also the medical director of the Indiana Sleep Center. I work with the NBA uh, and a team called the Indiana Pacers, the National Basketball Association. I um, love what I do. And my side project is right here in front of me, my current side project. <laughs> Wonderful. Tell me more about it. Yeah, so, and if I have to give my side project a name, it would be 360 degrees of sleep awareness. Mm -hmm. I can sum it up in one line. And that essentially implies that everyone around me and around you should be having a conversation with themselves about their sleep and sleep in general. Because remember, it's a third of your life. And if it's not in the right quantity and quality, the other two thirds are not going to be where you expect them to be. So that's my that's my life long uh, side project to educate everyone who I interact with as much as possible about sleep and its importance and help them if they have sleep issues. I should point out that uh, for audio listeners, uh, Dr. Abhinav raised up his book, uh, Sleep to Heal. And we'll be talking more about it in a bit. But before I get to that, I wanted to ask you, why this particular field of study? Uh, what prompted you uh, to, first of all, enter the medical field? Secondly, why sleep in particular? Yes. So medical field goes back to 1996 in Mumbai, India. I mm -hmm. had finished my uh, high school or 12th standard. And I was looking, like every kid does, you know, what next? So not really had made up my mind. My father uh, retired as an engineer. So all my life I was planning to be and thinking that I am an engineer uh, and he worked for the Indian Railways. Uh, after that, I in fact had applied for all colleges and it so happened that the, the counseling or the medical admissions happened to be about three weeks after the engineering admission. So actually, you know, in all honesty, I was admitted to an engineering college in Bombay. I had started one week of engineering college. And then the counseling happened for the for the medicine side of things. And my dad said one thing, like, look, I'm, I'm an engineer. I love what I do. But uh, there is no medical professional in the family. And why don't you consider uh, medicine if the if given an opportunity, you've already taken the test. And I said, fine. And he gave me this philosophy of, you know, for if you're an engineer, you'd always be working for someone. Remember, this is the 90s in India. And if you're a medical professional, you can actually, you know, you work for yourself. You can help a lot of people. And there's a lot of gratitude in the field, all of this philosophy. And you know what it came down to? My engineering college from where I lived in Mumbai was about two train changes away. Mm -hmm. And the medical college that I was getting admissions to was one, one train thing. and it was 20 minutes away from home. So this was, you know, Nair Medical College in Bombay Central and we lived in uh, South Bombay, Colaba, 25 minutes. So I said, this is awesome. 
So, so <laughs> not know and and I look back and I laugh and say that was the basis of my decision. Like this is close to home, and there were a lot of more fun people that I stood in line with when we were waiting for our turn for the counselling, and the engineering class had to be honest, uh, very heavily skewed in favor of boys. You know, it was it was not a fifty fifty split. Right. What is happening? Where where is the, where is the rest of the class? So to be honest, that's where prompted. Um, my admissions to medicine and it was fun after that and then i finished medical college uh, early 2000 and uh, was looking to do uh, higher studies and my sister who was already here in chicago said why don't you come over here you don't know what you want to do you're always you've always been the sort of the wanderer in life so come over here and find yourself everybody finds their soul you know and what they want to do in life in the u.s so i got to chicago and started studying public health because I was very impressed and moved by the idea of population health. Because as a physician, you can take care of one, two, five, 10, 30 patients in a day, but what about communities? What about populations? How do you improve right. that health, right? And that's, and, and so public health and preventive medicine attracted me. And it so happened by accident that the scholarship that I received for studying this how, was housed in the Department of Sleep Research. Right. So, to answer your question in two lines, I didn't choose sleep. Sleep chose me by offering this scholarship and basically my graduate education got paid for by sleep research. And I learned all about sleep that I had no idea. We were never taught this. Even in medical colleges, it's very little in terms of knowledge. And that's when this whole idea of public health and sleep merged. If you don't sleep well, all your health is poor. Literally, I can name every aspect of your health that will suffer with poor sleep. And there have been enough signs. And that's how my 360 degrees of sleep awareness also comes into play that can improve population health. So here I am, happy, go, lucky, and um, sleep chose me uh, is the right answer to your question. I, I love how like the the primary decision was one train versus two trains and then of, of course like these little decisions that changed the course of your life and now you've been a professional for over 20 years almost 20 years yeah 21 so if i count the day i i came here right after independence day in august of 2002 i sit before you 21 years later and some months still having not left the field i had no clue that I'm going to still do this. This was just a means to pay for my public health degree. That's okay. all it was. So why, uh, what kept you in it? I mean, of course, you mentioned that it's a third of your life uh, and yeah. that you wanted to at attract like the, not attract, sorry, you wanted to work on the community aspect of it. Um, given that you've spent 21 years in this field, do, do you think that sleep is by and large the most important aspect of our health that we, we should be looking at? Yes, and I can answer that in two different ways, two, two simple lines. People keep talking about, finally, they've been talking about, you know, the trinity of health they keep calling, right? They keep calling the three pillars of health. What are they? Nutrition. We've, we've done a whole lot of research about nutrition in the last 50, 70 years. Then they talk about exercise, right? So you have zillions of exercise regimens and things and and protocols and then they say sleep they've added sleep to it very gingerly they've added sleep to it in the last decade plus right however i feel kind of against not against but uh, differently so i feel sleep is sort of your foundation 
If you don't sleep well, okay, here, Vaibhav, I give you a scenario. Let's say I give you the best nutrition plan there is in the world, okay? I give you the, I give you the best exercise personal trainer there is in the world. But I give you the most crummiest sleep hours. Do you think that that best nutrition and exercise plan will yield its maximum benefit in the setting of horrible sleep? Not at all. Correct. So to group it together, I feel is unfair or injustice. Maybe I'm biased after 21 years. But, but sleep is truly, I feel, the foundation on which health builds. So 100% true. I feel it is probably the single most thing. And guess what? It's much cheaper than um, than fans, uh, health, you know, nutrition um, consultations. It's much cheaper than exercise routines and regimens, right, that you go to gyms. So if all of us did a little bit for our sleep, it will do a lot in return for us and our health. So this brings me to your book, Sleep to Heal. Um, tell me more about like why now? Why have you uh, waited so long to write a book? Or what was, uh, I guess my question is, how did the timing uh, line up for you to be, to put your effort into writing a book? Now, my, I, I myself am a writer, professional writer. Yeah. And so... Well, congratulations. Thank you. So to, uh, to me, it's the most interesting thing to be able to have written a book and you're a qualified author now. So tell me uh, what lined up the timing for you now. So I never planned to write a book, right? I, you know, as a medical career is busy in itself, right? You have a, you know, I have a, a lovely wife and, and a very demanding, but wonderful daughter. She pushes us to the limit. So our hands are full and living in the U S itself um, keeps you busy in general. And where do I find time between all these to actually put, you know, keep the mind still to write a book? So I, I didn't. So the, the book happened because patients, as I was treating them in the last decade or so, they kept asking, oh, you have all these analogies, all these similarities, how you explain or break down how sleep is affecting my health. Oh, wow, you should write a book. You should write a book. And then I would tell people to read this, read that, read that. Then they kept asking, where is your book? I said, I don't have one. And I got tired of basically saying, I don't have one. And I said, you know, because how it is, is everyone experiences sleep and its impact a little differently. Right? Mm -hmm. Everyone needs it from animals. Every animal living creature needs wake and rest, sleep and wake. And if it's a plumber, a scientist, a researcher, an author, an entrepreneur, a techie, Everybody will pilot, they'll experience sleep differently. And for me to use analogies from their world to see how their world gets impacted with poor sleep, health and their professional life was how I was generating all these created scenarios and said, wait a minute, this could be useful. Because if we put it into a language that anyone can read, don't have to be a sleep scientist or no deep details about this, like break it down and we should do this. So that's how that started getting born. The idea started taking fruit. And then I had a good friend who, who, is an, uh, who is a writer. We got together. I also started to experience a lot of media requests. Can you comment on this? Can you comment on this diet, this machine, this sleep, this snoring, sleepiness? I said, and I kept answering these questions to media. I said, wait a minute. That's what people want to know about. So then we have to put all this together. We've already done the work. It's just sort of compiling my patient experiences and how their lives changed. The biggest thing was how they changed so much by improving their sleep was always heartwarming and keeps me coming back to clinic. 
So we put it together and then the pandemic happened, right? The gift of our lives, I call it, the opportunity of our lives to reinvent, introspect and see what really matters to us. And and that's how I continued and finished the project and uh, got a publisher, got an agent. You know the drill. It's kind of hard work uh, putting pen to paper and then just sharing what I've learned so that more people can benefit by uh, understanding about sleep. Uh, so how long did that take you in, in total to put the book together? I want to say from the uh, from putting down the first Google Share doc, right, to write the first keystrokes to the Amazon date, like the published drop date was in June. But I my, I was done six months before that. I want to say a year and a half. Wow. Uh, a year and a half. Yeah, it has 13 chapters. And somewhere along the way, an event called Lily X happened. Lily X uh, is an Eli Lilly, if you've heard of the company. Yes. The I've giant pharmaceutical company. It's housed uh, 10 miles north of where I'm seated right now in the city of Indianapolis. They invited me for their TEDx event, which was a formerly TEDx location, to talk about sleep. I had no idea. They said, can you please talk on sleep and health? I said, sure, it's Eli Lilly, it's prestigious, I'll go, it's right down here. And I thought this is a 45-minute PowerPoint educating their employees about sleep help. It turns out that it wasn't. It was a 12-minute TEDx-style talk, exactly how it rolls. And I had 11 minutes and six slides. I said, what are you talking about? (laughs) This is hard. Do you want me to compress my 20, almost 18 years at at the time? of experience and knowledge into six, 11 minutes and six slides. Like that's how it rolls. I said, oh God. So it took a lot and it really forced me to distill so much of this down. And that's how part of this also started. And that talk was called, what would you do for 13.5 million? Uh, and and if you have a chance, you can drop the link for your listeners. It's actually interesting. Absolutely. I look back at it and I said, wow, that was pretty clever of me. I, <laughs> I was like wagging my tail. Because I took the challenge on compressing that into you know eleven minutes. Wonderful. You mentioned that you are the medical director of the Indiana Sleep Center. What does that entail for you? Yeah, so the Indiana Sleep Center is an accredited uh, sleep center where we have um, sleep rooms. It's like a hotel room. I wish I could give you a tour. You can drop the link. Actually, there are some some rooms that people can see what a sleep center looks like. Mm-hmm. It's, it looks like a hotel room uh, with comfortable lighting, bedding, and where we study patients. Patients spend a night here typically from about 8, 9 p.m. to about 6 a.m. the next day. For a level two sleep, a level three sleep study, right? Polysomnia. So, Yes, polysomnography, correct. Polysomnography. So you're, you're familiar with this. So it's called level one polysomnography because okay. uh, the level three, is, uh, the higher the level, the less and less uh, data collection starts to happen. And level ones are everything. So you have about, you know, 12 wires on your head, you know, you have four on your face, mm-hmm. you have a couple belts, you have a clip. We are measuring breathing, we are measuring brain waves, we are measuring sleep interruptions, we're measuring oxygen levels, heart rate, body movements, position. And basically the quality of your sleep, how well is Webhub sleeping in terms of sleep cycling, breathing, and can those findings explain what what he's experiencing in the day? So we measure this and that's their sleep center. There are lots of sleep disorders. There are over 70 sleep disorders, by the way, uh, for those who don't know. Over 70 sleep disorders that are bona fide 
and and have diagnosis codes for. So yeah, we go through that, and then the patient meets us. We explain results and offer treatments based on those findings. I had a level two sleep study done at home, uh, so it came up with mild sleep apnea for me. There you go. Yeah, there you go. And sleep apnea is kind of a dangerous thing. So now that you know, you are more aware. So you're going to watch what you eat. You know, you'll make sure how you're sleeping well. So it pushes that health aspect into you, right? Yeah. So if I give you like a washing machine, and it's going to sort of wash your clothes and dry them, and I keep opening and shutting the door while it's running, it's not going to do well, is it? No. That's what poor sleep does to your health. It leaves the clothes not clean and wet you know so so that's how you should look at poor sleep chronically night after night after night you'll hurt yourself you'll hurt your health overall so i'm glad you got that study i'm glad you're doing something about it thank you i've lost a lot of weight around it yeah it did it, it made you think didn't it it made you look up stuff it made you see and i'm guessing you're feeling a little better than you did before from yeah, before slightly better definitely um yeah. you mentioned that you also work with the indiana pacers how did that come about like how did you get to work with an nba team so again they are the local nba team wonderful wonderful organization uh, the indiana pacers uh, and how that happened was you know everyone needs sleep right and look at these elite athletes so elite athletes in fact need a little more because they push their bodies much more than you and i will yeah so you've heard of LeBron James, you've heard of Roger Federer, you've heard of you know Rafa Nadal, all these footballers across the world. They all t- have started talking about how re- recovery, injury, and performance—three things, right—matters to an athlete. So elite level of performance, less, um, less, let's say, uh, inaccuracies in whatever sport they are doing, right? They want to be in good form, less mistakes on the court or the field and less injuries and faster recovery times for the next game. Mm-hmm. And the NBA has 82 games in a season, 82. And 41 games are away from home, 41 games are at home. So they're traveling all the time. They're losing sleep in aircrafts. Games are late. Uh, they miss a shot or two, the game is lost because every team is so good. So they started paying attention to this as, a, as almost a performance-enhancing intervention because they have the best coaches. They have the best facilities. They have the best of everything, you know, bodies, right, physiques, trainers. But how can they get better than the other team in terms of edge, right? So they, so that's how they started reaching out, and now it's a formal relationship. Uh, and it's wonderful. I say, you know, uh, I, I look at this example, like, name your favorite uh, name your favorite player. Like, you know, cricketer, like, pick, pick your favorite. Like, Virat Kohli, Rohit Sharma, they are at the peaks of their game. But do they have a coach? Oh, yeah, they have many coaches, right? LeBron James, does he have a coach? Of course. Uh, Roger Federer, does he have a coach? Yes, he does. And they're at the peak of the game. Why can't us, normal people, everyday people, like your podcast says, have a coach to do better, right? In terms of health, nutrition, and, and food, and sleep. So, and that's where that angle comes in. And every if they can get coached to, to get better, than, and, and they're already at such a high, why can't we get coached to sleep better? And so... Wonderful segue into me asking you, for the listeners, uh, what would you share as your top three pieces of advice for sleeping, sleeping better? Yes, um, sleeping better. So first of all, even recognizing it, you know, uh, M- I say ASAP, MSAP, right? ASAP, MSAP. So what does that mean? So as soon as possible, MSAP, make sleep a priority, right? So that's the first thing. Second one, sleep is a rhythm. Just like going to the gym, you can't uh, build muscles in 
two nights or two two visits to the gym. You can't lose weight by you know letting go of one chole bature or one or you know or, or one sweet item for one week, right? So consistency and rhythmicity is key. The body loves structure, so start preparing for it as a priority, and and repeat that rhythm. Find what works for you. And the, the the basics are pretty simple, you know. Stimulation reduction around the evenings uh, is a very important. Giving your mind some wind down, you know. So it's like saying you can't shut the engine off and start working on it. You have to let the engine cool down a little bit before you want to in, in a car, right? If you wanted to work on it. So that's that. And the the third one is if you're not if you wake up consistently and you feel, man, I'm exhausted. Uh, I don't feel great. Then say something to your doctors about it. Don't try and self-medicate and Google this stuff because it's a third of your life, right? right? So seek a professional opinion if you feel that your sleep is not restorative and refreshing consistently. Fantastic. So that's that's I would say that's I would three things. Wonderful. My last question to you in the formal portion of this interview is uh, if you'd like to speak directly to the audience, what would you ask them to do? Now, this is where you can promote your book, of course, but also uh, I would love for you to talk about either a movie that you've seen recently or a book that you've read recently, not your own, or a quote that st- sticks with you. <laughs> yes, I love that. So I, I go to the quote I use a lot and I love that. Um, it's if sleep didn't serve a very vital function, then it's nature's biggest mistake. Wow. Okay. And that means it was a 1975 quote. Because think about it, nature, what does nature tell you to do? If we believe in the Darwinian evolution, what does it tell you to do? It tells Weber, don't die, right? So survive. Mm-hmm. Weber, gather food. Weber, make more of your own. So basically, nature is telling you these three things. Every animal, every living creature is trying to basically do these three things. Yeah. Correct? So not get killed, gather food, make more of your own. Okay. When you're when you're sleeping, you're vulnerable. Do you think you can correct? You can't do any of those three. Right. You truly can't make more of your own. You can't gather food. You can get eaten many times over. So why does nature have this almost counterintuitive activity planted every day of your life? And it seems very op- opposite to nature's rules. So therefore, it must be doing something to support the evolutionary process. And that's how you got to think about it as fundamental. That's my favorite quote from Alan Rechschafen from Chicago, 1975. They started figuring this out then. Uh, favorite movie that I've seen. I'm a sucker for, uh, for, for our Indian movies, Bollywood movies. Nothing makes me chuckle more than that. However... The most recent one that I've seen is um, Taylor Swift, The Errors Tour, because I have an 11-year-old. Uh, fantastic production. It's, I sat through, my wife and I just sat and we had, a, we had a date night. We were talking about other things while the movie was playing. And uh, credit to Taylor Swift, the artist. She's doing her thing and, you know, she's at least being a, a decent role model for the, for the kids her, this time. So that's the recent most movie we've watched. I did go see Pathan uh, in in the theaters recently, um, and I did see uh, I did see the movie um, Tiger. Uh, is it uh, the Rajni movie? Uh, what's it called? I'm sorry. In, I'm, in in which his name is Tiger. I'm not um, aware actually. I'm sorry, but so, okay. So the Rajni movie. movie. 
Rajnikanth movie. Yes. Noted. So this is where we now also. I would love for you to talk about your book if you had a pitch. Yes. Yes, for the audience to go buy it. Um. Correct. So yes, it's called Sleep to Heal. Uh, it's available on um, Amazon India. So if you go to Amazon India, you can find it. Uh, and it's. I love the book. It's it, it's really come out well. Uh, Charlotte Jensen, my my wonderful co-author, and myself, we sat down and we wrote it, and it's it's um, it's fun. If it if you find it boring and you fall asleep, I've had a patient who asked me, "What if I if I read it and it's so boring that I fell asleep?" I said, "Wonderful, I win," uh, because that's the whole point uh, that you're not stuck to a screen and watching it. And if you didn't fall asleep and you learned something, then you end up learning something. So both ways, I can't lose. So and then he laughed and then and that's how that book is um, marketed as well. It's just to educate you and make you appreciate and enjoy and learn to sleep better. You can go to sleepvigilante.com. That's my little website. So you can learn and hear a little more about me. Just to start a website, and you can find the book there as well. Uh, Wonderful. So thank and you. the book is linked. Uh, I'd love to hear feedback. Sorry, and, and um, the book is also linked in the podcast description. If you're listening now. Or if you're watching yeah. this on YouTube, it's in the description of the video. So uh, thank you so much, Dr. Abhinav. This is the end of our formal portion of our interview. Now I can relax a little bit and I can just chat with you for a few minutes. Yes, yes, yeah. of course, of course. Thank you, Vaibhav. I appreciate you doing this. And thank you for, uh, you know, to get into the middle of the day and, and get this done. So thank you. It works out well for me as well. And thank you for sparing your lunchtime. I'm sure I don't want to hold you too much longer. Ooh, there's a Batman symbol. No, no, you're fine. Our big Batman fan. That's why the Sleep Vigilante nickname comes from because I was giving that Lily X TEDx talk, right? So right. I got introduced as because oh, he's talking about sleep. It's all about the dark night, and we talk about darkness, stimulation less, you know, quiet. So it's like okay, he is, the, and I love Batman. People knew that. So my car license plate has a Batman logo, and my my assistants gifted me that for Christmas, and it has that magic of you can you can change colors and things like that. <laughs> Yeah. So nice. and he does work. His all his work is in the night anyway. I was about to ask you about the sleep vigilante name, and you've not told me, because it's a very interesting. Like you don't hear somebody use that word very often, vigilante. It's it's. Uh, I found it because I went to your website before this interview. I looked through it, and then I went to your Instagram, looked through it. I saw that you did another podcast recently. So you're a busy man, yeah. sir, and you're a very charismatic man. I as well. try. Oh, well, thank you. I try, you know, I try. It's just, like I said, 360 degrees. I'm going to do this still, even if I stop working. You know, there is, this is, this is forever. Uh, because, so I'll tell you my fun quote, right? Another quote that is, two quotes, no one sleeps better by trying harder. So if you are really struggling to sleep and you start to struggle more, you'll get worse by trying harder, staring at the clock, staring at the ceiling and all that. That's one quote in the insomnia world. If you start to suffer from insomnia, nobody sleeps without trying harder. And second, another one of my favorite experiential quotes is that, you know, I've help, having had the privilege of helping so many people sleep better, not one has come back and told me that Dr. Singh, I'm sleeping so much better because of what you did. And I hate you for that. I want my old sleep back. No one, right? So right. it's it, and that's the joy in the field that you know people will be on medicines and surgeries and they say, oh my god, why did I get this surgery? I'm so much, it's hurt so much and these complications and oh, I should have lived with my back pain or my knee pain or whatever, right? But not one has come back to me and said, 
oh my god i'm sleeping better and i'm so disappointed and i'm so sad because of it so that's one joy that i know uh keeps me driving are you also a surgeon do you also do the sort of uh, septum uh, surgeries and all that no so i'm an internal medicine general medicine guy who went into sleep specialty training so sleep specialists can be of different flavors mm-hmm. uh, they could be a general medicine gmed you know that like we call in india like a physician guy you can have ent surgeons also uh, dabble into the sleep world they do septal corrections they do some tonsils for kids they remove them so they breathe better my daughter in fact had her tonsils out she was beginning to snore and have apnea at night she was waking up she's 11 she's you know whatever 60 70 pounds she's just 20 30 40 40 kilos not heavy at all but it all it was all her tonsils so the ent took the tonsils out she's sleeping so much better behaving so much better so and then you have psychiatrists who will also do sleep you'll have neurologists who will also do sleep you'll have pulmonologists who do sleep apnea and snoring management who will do sleep and then you'll have the gmed guys who'll do all of it so the sleep training is is a new specialty super specialty they call it whereby they teach you elements of all of these specialties so we work with surgeons and they we manage they help us manage the airway basically wonderful uh what are you looking forward to for in the next few years as you continue to work on this i want folks like you and me to have more conversations and you know motherland is india and i want this to become uh something that people take seriously in india and that's what i want to sort of engage in a give back uh scenario that how many can we help how many can we improve the health of because remember healthcare access is poorer in india right in terms of um awareness and access and resources so the, anybody can have access to better sleep everybody should have access to better sleep uh, and that's what my eventual you know pipe dream would be that everybody is aware in india every physician knows what to do with it nobody's you know everybody's clear and they in and they include it in the part of your general health history taking rather than you complaining or your spouse saying hey vaibhav you're snoring or hey abhinav you're snoring so much go it should happen from the physician you see for your primary care checkup like okay you're here let's tell me about this it should become a natural like how you get screening for colonoscopy mammograms blood tests cholesterol sugar it should become a conversation that's what i hope and pray before i die it's become normal well i mean i can i can at least tell you that my psychiatrist of, uh, always asks me about my sleep and uh, my uh, therapist as well so yeah. there are doctors I asking i love that i love that you're in bangalore i'm going to guess yes yes so bangalore is, is like you know the i want to call it you pick the austin of india or you know the the hub the the forward moving progressive you know hub but in addition to that and i'm very proud of that uh, and at the same time i'd love for other cities to catch up and people to really follow suit and do that so i'm glad they do and tell them hey the sleep dog gave you guys a high five well done and I'll, and I'll not any sleep dog not any sleep dog yeah this just so he was also the top he was a nominated top sleep dog from the us has given you both <laughs> both a high five i love uh, my, my as soon as i can. love that <laughs> my assistant love those billboards well dr abhinav this has been an absolute pleasure for me i hope it's been fun for you at least um, thank you so much for sitting down with me just wanted to conclude this uh, anything you'd like to say in conclusion 
No, thank you for taking the time and keep spreading the good word. Like I say, everybody can sleep a little better. Everyone can sleep a little better and they should and keep trying to. So, no, thank you. I'll get back to work. I'll let you get to sleep. I know it's late for you in India. It's about 12.47 here. Um, and uh, wonderful. Keep doing what you're doing. I'll, I'll be so excited to see how this turns out when you upload it. Do share a link with, thank with you. me.